0: And I want, if I may, to focus in on one law in a strange way. I want you to conduct a little thought experiment. Just in your mind, walk around the great monuments in Washington. Here we are. The first thing you see there is, you know, that... Uh, 15-foot-high statue of Abraham Lincoln. And do you know what's on either side in the monument? If you have a look, on the one side there is the Gettysburg Address, that brilliant speech of his, 286 words, two minutes to say. I wish I could speak so briefly. One of the greatest speeches ever given. On the other side, it doesn't come out terribly well on the screen there, but Lincoln's famous second inaugural. Walk on a little bit and you will come to the Roosevelt Memorial. And on the Roosevelt Memorial you would see it's designed in a series of rooms and on each of the walls are uh, the key sayings of Roosevelt during that particular period of his life, like for instance, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And you will see all those quotes up there on the uh, Roosevelt Memorial. Keep walking around that lovely lake there with the cherry blossom trees and you eventually get to the Jefferson Memorial and there in the Jefferson Memorial you will see of course we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal etc etc. In other words, every one of those memorials tells a story. It's there in words, in writing they tell a story. Now Walk around London and look at all the monuments. There are as many monuments in London as there are in Washington and you will see that none of them tells a story. Even the Churchill Memorial says one word. Churchill, the man who delivered more memorable sentences than anyone in recent British history. There's not one word from his speeches. English monuments don't tell a story. American monuments do. Now, why is that? And I want to explain to you a fundamental difference between what I call a traditional society and what I call a covenant society. What is a traditional society? England is a traditional society. As the great philosopher Roger Scruton puts it, in a traditional society, England to the English is home. And things at home don't need an explanation. They're there because they're there. You don't need any explanation at all. But a covenant society is not based on tradition for tradition's sake, they don't value a nation's past because it's old, They remember the past because it was events in the past that led to the collective determination that moved people to create this society in the first place. The Pilgrim Fathers traveled to America to found a society based on religious freedom. Their society was based in an act of moral commitment, handed on to successive generations. Covenant societies exist Not because they've been there a long time, or because of some act of conquest, or because of some economic or military advantage. They exist to honor a pledge, a moral bond, an undertaking. And that is why you have to tell the story to successive generations and to new immigrants, because it reminds everyone who's there why they're there. Everyone has to buy in to the American story. And that is what makes you American. Not because you've been there since William the Conqueror or since uh, the Mayflower in 1620 or whatever, but because you agree with the principles of the Gettysburg Address and we hold these truths and all the rest of it. The classic case of a society based on telling the story is Israel in the the time of the Bible. And there it is. It is there on the... uh, Great festival, I'm not sure that apples were what they brought to the temple. Let's have something a bit more appropriate. Uh, But when you brought first fruits to the temple, according to this week's Parashah, you told a story. And you will all know that story because nowadays all of us say it on Pesach. And it is this story, Arameo Vedavi. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with a few people, lived there, became a great nation, powerful and numerous. And so the Lord brought us out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He brought us to this place, land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, the Lord your God, gave me. Now, there it is, the first time in history that every citizen was expected to tell the story of his nation's history. Every time you bought first fruits, each person had to make that declaration, Aramio Veda V. Nowadays, we're not there, we don't have, bring first fruits, we don't have a temple, but we still tell exactly that story on the Seder night at Pesach. And that is the model of which, on which American society was based. So, here, for instance, and we saw this a few weeks ago actually, but here is Lyndon Johnson on his inaugural address telling us a story based precisely on this passage in Devarim. They came here, the exile and the stranger, they made a covenant with this land conceived in justice, written in liberty, bound in union. It was meant one day to inspire the hopes of all mankind and it binds us still. If we keep its terms we shall flourish. Where did he get that idea from? You know perfectly well where he got that idea from. It comes from the Second paragraph of the Shema, Shema if you will faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, I'll send rain in its season, grass in the fields for cattle, you will eat and you will be satisfied. Be careful lest you will turn aside, worship other gods, then the Lord's anger will burn against you. In other words, you tell the story to remind yourself that this is why we are here, this is why we created this society, and if we are faithful to those terms, we will prosper, and if we are not, we will deteriorate and disintegrate as a nation. And that is a society based on telling the story. Covenant societies are not ethnic nations bound by a common racial origin. They make room for outsiders the way Israel does the way America does. It makes room for immigrants, asylum seekers, resident aliens, who become part of the people by telling its story and making it their own story. Exactly as Ruth does in the Book of Ruth. She is a Moabites. She's not Jewish, but she becomes Jewish by saying, where you go, I go, Etc. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She takes the Jewish story as her own. And that's how she becomes Jewish. And that's how you become American. In other words, in Judaism, we don't think of conversion the way, for instance, people do in Christianity or Islam. If you want to understand Geirut, conversion in Judaism, think of it in terms of acquiring citizenship in the Jewish nation. That's what it is, making its story your own. So it is extraordinary that this one simple act of telling the story allows people to hand their moral commitments on to future generations. It is what allowed Jews to hand on their identity with none of the normal accompaniments of nationhood, in exile, without a land, without a home, without power, without independence. Nonetheless, they were able to sustain that sense of belonging to a nation simply by telling the story. That is the truth about the politics of covenant. The message of the first fruits in today's parasha, which is, if you want to stay free, never forget to tell the story. And that is the Jewish basis of freedom. Shabbat Shalom.